Child labor is such a minor problem. I'm Torn Atkinson. The chocolate industry exploits children? That's cocoa nuts. I'm Kevin Leeson. They say work builds character. They never seem to mention the genital infections. I'm Joe Fulgham, and this is Caustic Soda. Child labor refers to the employment of children in any work that deprives children of their childhood, interferes with their ability to attend regular school, and that is mentally, physically, socially, or morally dangerous and harmful. What if you have a particularly bad childhood and you kind of want to miss it? I'm sure that we can have some exceptions to that. It would still be child labor. That would be good child labor, wouldn't it? Mm, I don't know. Or what if children give birth? That's a different kind of child labor. Uh, yes. <laughs> that happens. That actually happens. Uh-huh. Yeah. The word origin of child comes from Old English sild, meaning or killed. Uh, oh, C-I-L-D. I'm not sure how uh, Old English pronounces uh, that old C. Uh, the things that fetus, ought to be killed? Yes. Uh-huh. Meaning fetus, infant, unborn, or newly born person, which is from Proto-Germanic kiltum. Killed them. Kill them all. Kill it's them all. It's because when you when you have a kid, your life is effective. You know, right. I, I know how this this uh, particular word, you know, the genesis of it, you know, even in its uh, pre Indo European or whatever. Yeah, it's because they're all just thinking. Oh, kill them, kill them. Not <laughs> crying. Yeah, just all that bawling in the middle of the night. It's the first instinct every parent has. What did you do with that thing that we have? Killed them. <laughs> Yes, yeah, I did. <laughs> no, that's not what I meant. I meant the thing. I was describing the thing. The thing that ended your life. Yeah. Oh, the child. <laughs> labor comes from Latin laborum, meaning labor, toil, mm. exertion, mm. hardship of uncertain origin, perhaps originally from the notion of tottering under a burden and related to labor, to totter. No, I think, I think it's because, ugh, it's a laborum. Right. Oh, because it's not fun. To oh, work. I just hate going to work. It's so laborum. Fear of children is pedophobia, and fear of work is ergophobia. You match. So uh-huh. I think uh, fear of child labor would be ergopedophobia. Oh, okay. Ergopeda. Mm-hmm. Uh. Well, I guess you could say ergopedophobia, but I like ergopeda. Ergopeda. Ergopedophobia. Ergopedophobia sounds like, you know, the first bicycle or something. Oh, right. <laughs> I've got yeah. an ergoped. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they're like, like lumping all those words together. I'll be there in Jiffy. Just let me hop on my ergoped. <laughs> uh, I'm not getting on the back of that thing. I have ergopedophobia. <laughs> According to the International Labor Organization Minimum Age Convention of 1973, child labor oh. refers to any work performed by children under the age of 12. Okay. Non-light work done by children age 12 to 14. Oh. And hazardous work done by children age 15 to 17. So they kind of like lead children nice. into being allowed to work. At certain ages, okay. you can deliver newspapers and nobody's going to... But delivering hazard, doing hazardous work at age under 12 is right out. Uh, actually, 17 and under. You have to be 18 to do hazardous right, work. Right, but if, that, if being 17 is bad yes. and doing hazardous work, then being under 12 is even worse. I would guess so, yeah. On the scale of worsitude. Worsinosity. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Light, yeah. light work was defined under this convention as any work that does not harm a child's health and development and that does not interfere with his or her attendance at school. Uh, data, I, thought data it was just like, I thought it was just flashing flashlights in each other's eyes. Light work? Yeah. <laughs> light like changing work. light bulbs, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's light work. Yeah. You've got light work people on the set all the time, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Constantly. They're called grips. No. They're called boomers. Lamp ops. <laughs> I was expecting more, something Boomers. more jargony. 
The ILO convention has been ratified by 135 countries. Uh, but these laws do not consider all work by children's child labor. Exceptions include work by child artists, supervised training, oh. certain categories of work by those uh, such as Amish children and others. There are exceptions for Amish children to work in woodworking uh, instances. So right? if I'm a painter uh-huh. and I get a bunch of 11-year-olds to do all my paintings for me, that is okay. All right, okay. I don't yes. know. <laughs> yes okay. is the answer. Yeah, it's child art. Yes. yes. Uh, I've got some science here, some facts and figures, uh, again, from the ILO. These are the people who are kind of on top of this, the, the really pushing uh, to stop child mm-hmm. labor around the world. The well, uh, You know what? Uh, it's interesting that they go from making that great music in the 70s was, to like fighting on, beha- b- on behalf of children. That was the ELO, uh, the Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, what's the ILO, Industrial Light Orchestra? <laughs> the, the International Labor Organization. Oh, okay. okay. Global number of children and child. I think that they would reach a lot more people if they were industrial light orchestra. I think they'd get a lot more people <laughs> tuning in. Maybe the ILO should hire ELO, ELO to write a song about child labor. Oh, and they should get ILM to do <laughs> the, the, the CGI special in the yeah. video. Yeah. Uh-huh. Global number of children and child labor has declined by one third since 2000, at, from 246 million to a mere. 168 million children. Problem right. almost solved. Yeah, there you go. More than half of those, however, 85 million are in hazardous work. Ah, the salt mines. Well, you know, I mean, to be honest, if why it, not? Like, I that, like that's why I had them. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know like they, they, if you're doing Certainly. hazardous work that's going to kill you, yeah. you know, they've only lived, they've invested very little into their life right. so far. There you go. Right? They have so little so, to live for. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't know how good life can get. Certainly, I believe that that was the ethos of my parents when I was a child. <laughs> oh, really? But with all the dishwashing and the lawn mowing <laughs> and the dusting and the vacuuming. And you call oh, this hazardous, hazardous work, do you? Hey, I'm an artist. Oh, okay. <laughs> he needed that wrist. Uh-huh. Not for dusting, but for drawing. Uh-huh. Uh, Asia and the Pacific still has the largest numbers, almost 78 million or 9.3% of child population. But Sub-Saharan Africa continues to be the region with the highest incidence of child labor, 59 million or over 21% of their children are now, working. Do they count child soldiers in that number? Because uh, I, do. I guess that's, a, that's work of a kind, right? It's you know? certainly harmful. Mm-hmm. Uh, hazardous. Hazardous keeps them right. from school. Yep. I don't know uh, right. the actual Maybe it answer. doesn't count because they're not getting paid. Oh, <laughs> Maybe. you know what? What if you're in school but doing child labor? You're, not, oh. you're, you're in the classroom, but you have to like paint the walls and, and dust out the chalk brushes Loophole and all that kind of stuff. Right yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. That yeah. they probably wouldn't call child labor, actually. They probably would call that discipline, Yeah, which you don't have any of, <laughs> which is why you react this way now that you're an adult. I just, uh, they just spent all my time in the hall. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> they didn't have to do any work. Okay. 8.8% of children in Latin America and the Caribbean are involved in child labor. That's 13 million kids. Uh, and in the Middle East and North Africa, there are 9.2 million or 8.4%. Uh, agriculture remains by far the most important sector where child laborers can be found. 98 million or 59% of all child workers That's more are, numbers uh, that in I can agriculture. Count. Well, we should put an end to agriculture, I think, then. That's I, right. There we go. Solve the problem. There. Put an end to agriculture, solve the child labor problem. Yes. That's it. Also because you can't feed those kids, so they all die. All right. Don't moving on. Next topic. Right? We've solved it. Child labor among girls fell by 40% since 2000 compared to 25% for boys. So, oh. mm. okay. Uh, Sexual double standard. I have a quick 
pop quiz here for you. All right. All right. Let's hear it. So a new report by risk analysis firm Maplecroft, which ranks 197 countries, identified the top 11 places where child labor is most prevalent. I've given you some hints. Maplecroft, the Canadian Tomb Raider. That's it. Exactly. She goes out and climbs up all sorts of scaling walls and uh-huh. shoots people who are hiring kids. Yeah, because her hands are all sticky with maple syrup. There you go. Right? She's think, like, problem is I can't think of any Canadian tombs worth raiding, except for maybe uh, <laughs> Indian burial mounds. Uh, there's got to be something up in Nunavut under this, a bunch of those Inuvix, right? All right. I don't know. No one's ever gone in there. So send maple crop for <laughs> So we're going to go back and forth. Kevin, I'm going to let you go first. Okay. When you get three wrong, you're out, and then we're going to count who gets the most right. Okay. So start naming countries that you think are the worst for child labor. Oh, I'm just going to- Just name a country. One. China. Uh, wrong. What? They're bad, but they are not in the top 11. Oh, wow. Wow. You said subs. See, the problem with this is- Yeah, I guess China really does it to all their adult people too, yes. right? They don't like focus on the children. And China has officially banned child labor, but it's hard to enforce that. Right, right, right. So, and they have a billion people, so somebody's going to make some kids work. So, do I make a, make a second stab now? Nope. Now it's Torrance's turn. You've got one wrong. Can we t- pick a particular era? We're talking about right now. Right. Oh, because I was going to go with with uh, I was I was definitely going to go with Cambodia in the seventies. Oh, Torrance. Yeah. Um, problem being, you're asking me to name countries, and yep. I don't know any countries. I know <laughs> you don't know any countries. I, mean, I can't think of a single country right now. <laughs> um, possibly you're I'm in a country. Say, you're in a country. Uh, South Africa. Eh. All right. Well, I was I was thinking Asia, but uh, uh <clears throat> top ten for child labor with a bonus one in top eleven, actually. Because number 10 and number 11 were tied. Okay. That's why there's 11 for the record. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with Taiwan. Meh. That's two strikes. I'm trying to find- Do you suppose- Do you suppose that child soldiering counts as child labor? I already asked that question. It's- I don't know if they count it, to be honest. Maybe. I'm just going to say Republic of Congo. Yes, that's correct. Democratic Republic of- I got so excited, I knocked over my mic. They are actually (laughs) one of the worst. Okay. They come in at number three. Then they have to be counting child soldiers. Have to be. Uh, we'll talk about what's mostly going on in Congo. Actually. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, now I see. I see where we're going with this. I'm going to go with Sierra Leone. Eh. Ah, that's your third strike. Torn wins. That was easy. It's because I only had to guess twice. <laughs> so the top eleven countries. Well, he got three wrong. You got one right and uh-huh. two wrong. Are Eritrea, which I don't even really know where that that's is. That's in Africa. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Somalia. That's in Africa. This is in order. Democratic Republic of Congo. Order from most to least? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we got the top three top are all three. African Eritrea, countries. Eritrea, Somalia, Democratic Republic of Congo, Myanmar, Sudan, Afghanistan, Pakistan, oh. Zimbabwe, Yemen, Burundi, and Nigeria. Oh, Burundi. So is that like seven of the top 10 are in Africa? Yeah. 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 Wow. Countries with high poverty rates fare Kids, badly. don't go to Africa. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Don't leave your children in Africa, like unattended in Africa. No. They'll uh, end up in a sweatshop or something. We'll talk about, yeah, we'll talk about, uh, I've got some stuff on the Democratic Republic of Congo specifically. Mm-hmm. Countries with high poverty rates fare badly in the index due to the need for children to supplement their family income, the report right. said. Right. But economically important countries like China, India, Russia, and Brazil were also found to have extreme risks because child labor laws are often poorly enforced. Mm-hmm. Right, because they have, was actually what I was thinking India about. India is very bad because but, the uh, child labor uh, law enforcers also happen to be kids. 
Mm. That's yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> think of the inspectors. Yeah. Yeah. Because when I said, you know, uh, child labor law inspector, he assumed that we'd have to be a child. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Because it's got paper. a child right in yeah, the title. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And kids, they're just lazy and they just stay in the office. Mm-hmm. They don't make any phone calls or go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. They're just playing with know. their, reading their mad magazines. Uh, Always <laughs> on the internet with their Instagrams and their Snapchats. <laughs> Causes of child labor, uh, pretty straightforward. Uh, international labor organizations suggest poverty is the single greatest cause behind child labor. For impoverished households, income from a child's work is usually crucial for his or her own survival or for that of the household. Right. Income from working children, even if small, may be between 25 to 40% of the household income. Mm-hmm. So, pulling their weight. Kids are really pulling, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you're a poor family. You've got several kids. They're 12 or 13 years old. They're at the point where they could actually carry things if they wanted to. Maybe schooling's not a big deal. This is the second one. Lack of meaningful alternatives, such as affordable schools and quality education, is another major factor driving children harmful labor. My only, I have a lot of friends who have kids, and I'm starting to think now their kids are deadbeats. Yeah. Just a bunch of their anchors my, laying I, them down. I live in a poor country. My only assets are all these things that came out of my vagina. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's it, it exactly. And you're like, look, we're starving. We have no food. We have no money. And we can eat kids, the kids. These kids cost us. Or we can us. send the kids to go make money to buy things to eat. Yeah. yeah. And how can you blame a family? And if like the kid the tastes anything is, like he smells. Yes. <laughs> not holding that much I am hope. out. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Children work because they have nothing better to do. Many communities, particularly rural areas where between 60 to 70% of child labor is prevalent, do not possess adequate school facilities. You know what they should do? These, uh, you know, um, poor countries, they shouldn't mm. get all the kids Xboxes and they won't want to go out to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Next topic. I kind of think that's how a lot of charities work, actually. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Just fly over Africa in a helicopter and drop... Uh, care packages and Care packages full of Xboxes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So now I want to go through some of the history of child labor. Uh, I'm going to go way out on a limb and say it's happened always everywhere throughout time. It really has. Mm -hmm. uh, Problem solved. Next topic. (laughs) Children were the first laborers. (laughs) Well, as we remember from our infanticide episode. Which came first, the laborer or the child? uh, (laughs) Uh, That's not, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. There's no labor without a child to do it. But you need somebody to be in labor to have a child. (laughs) Ah, but that person was a child, but they needed, oh man. So it's a Mobius loop of labor. You're absolutely right. Of course, that, uh, especially when we were more agricultural society, uh, or even, uh, the hunter gatherers and things that the kids would join in and take part. And it's only been recently where we've had schooling and we mm-hmm. we've given a damn about kids welfare at all. As we learned in our infanticide episode, uh, for a long time, people would just leave kids out if they couldn't afford them. Just mm-hmm. let them die in the woods. Oh, well, we can't feed this one. Not my problem anymore. It's only been yeah. recent, fairly recently, uh, relatively speaking, that we started to give a damn about kids. He does become your problem if he grows up to be Oedipus and then kills you on the like path to the master. <laughs> Better safe than sorry. Yeah. Yeah. You should kill you as yeah, a safety right. precaution. I don't know. It, the problem really came to a head and became a problem, however, during the Industrial Revolution, which is around 1760 to 1820. Power-driven machines replaced hand labor for making of most manufactured items. Factories began to spring up everywhere, first in England and then in the United States. Mm -hmm. The owners of these factories found a new source of labor to run their machines, children. Operating the power-driven machines did not require adult strength, and children could be hired more cheaply than adults. Mm. By the mid-1800s, child labor was a major problem. Right. And, like, you know, they only cover so much square footage, right? You know, you pay them by the inch. 
And you could call, you could tell everybody, well, they're completely untrained. This is unskilled labor. Why mm. pay them anymore? And they're kids. Yeah, they fit more gotta, in a in a cot as well. You got to push yes. the button or pull a lever. Also, they probably don't fight back as much when you tell them to do stuff. They're just mm-hmm. kids. They're supposed to do what adults tell them, right? That's right. I think it's the adults who are pulling the levers. Yeah. Well, and the kids who are going in with their little tiny fingers and cleaning things out of bigger things. Yes, probably. Oh, okay. All right. Charles. With, with snapping jaws. <laughs> <laughs> well, children do have better timing. Do they? Oh, that's a fact. That's, that's science. Okay. Problem solved. Bye. Moving on. Charles Dickens himself worked at the age of 12 in a blacking or polish factory mm-hmm. with his family uh, in debtor prison. Oh. The children of the poor were expected to help towards the family budget, often working long hours and dangerous jobs for low pay, earning 10 to 20% of an adult male's wage. Builds character. Mm. That's what my dad said. That oh, yeah, what that's they what my dad claim. said, too. By 1810, around 2 million school-aged children were working 50 to 70-hour weeks. Most of them came from poor families. When parents could not support their children, they sometimes turned them over to a mill or factory owner. One glass, yeah, one glass factory in Massachusetts was fenced with barbed wire, quote, to keep the young imps inside. (laughs) Now, when you say glass factory, does that mean the factory was made of glass? The young imps were boys under 12 who carried loads of hot glass all night for a wage of 40 cents to $1.10 per night. I did the the calculation. That's $5.77 to $15.88 in $2012. So that's the equivalent of 50 cents to a dollar an hour. Uh The process of making glass includes intense heat upwards of 3,000 Fahrenheit. This could cause eye trouble, lung ailments, heat exhaustion, cuts, and burns. Oh. Yeah. He who works in glass factories should Should not not throw ingots of glass. (laughs) No. Do glass come in ingots? I don't know. All right. Okay. (laughs) Sure. Whatever. Church and labor groups, teachers, and many other people were outraged by such cruelty and began to press for reforms. Charles Dickens publicized the evils of child labor with his novel Oliver Twist. Britain was the first to pass laws regulating child labor. From 1802 to 1878, a series of laws gradually shortened the working hours, improved the conditions, and raised the age at which children could work. Other European countries adopted similar laws. But if Oliver Twist taught me anything, mm. isn't there a lot of singing and dancing in child labor? <laughs> no, that was Oliver that was exclamation. Oliver. Oliver. Uh, well, I, if Oliver Twist taught me something. Yes, did it? It's that one serving of gruel, and that is it. <laughs> no matter how much you want more gruel. Never ask for more. Yeah. Although that was an impetus for his life to change, which got worse, but then eventually better. Without it, he'd still be stuck there, right? Yeah. Uh, It's always stormiest before the calm. Is that how it goes? (laughs) Something like that. We're going to have a slogan off here? (laughs) My love brief slogan slogan off. (laughs) In the United States, it took many years to outlaw child labor. Connecticut passed a law in 1813 saying that working children must have some schooling. Mm. By 1899, uh, well, some is still pretty <laughs> wide range. Yeah. Draw, draw an A in this chalkboard. Okay, you're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some school, as they're walking into the factory, it's like uh, one plus one. <laughs> Wrong. To the factory. One, two plus two. Right. To the factory. You've gotten some schooling. You know, it doesn't mean you have to know what, anything or get any of your questions. Maybe right. you got schooled. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, they put a basketball court out back. And then just like had had minute bowls sitting there just swatting balls away from the hoop, going schooling everybody. I I'm just imagining that they've got the cursive alphabet up on the walls of the factory. Yeah, they oh, can yeah, always nice. see. Nice. An estimated 1.7 million children under the age of 15 were employed in American industry by 1900. Many mm-hmm. children and adults worked 16-hour days. 
Many efforts were made to pass a national child labor law. The U.S. Congress passed two laws in 1918 and 1922, but the Supreme Court declared both unconstitutional. Aha, take that, children. Yeah. What it was unconstitutional about it? Uh, I don't have the details. I'm Whoa. guessing that it was probably too broadly worded. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it's because the uh, kids have to go refill the ink pots where they were signing all of ah, I see. Yes, they, didn't, they just didn't quite get to that part. We can't, yeah. we can't sign it. Because there's no child labor. Then in 1938, Congress passed the Fair Labor Standards Act. It fixed minimum ages of 16 for work during school hours, 14 for certain jobs after school, and 18 for dangerous work. Okay. So not until 1938 did even America really get actually strong laws in effect to protect well, children. Well, because working. it hurts the bottom line. If America is anything, they, uh, they're bottom line conscious. Torrin, do you want to talk about mule scavengers? Yes, I first heard about this on Tony Robinson's uh, BBC series. I think it was BBC. Worst Jobs in History. Uh, mm. Tony Robinson, the motivational speaker? Yeah. Also Baldrick. Mm. Same oh. same guy. Okay. Uh, from Blackadder. Not the tall guy with the big smile and the no, giant hands. The one who had the cunning plan. Yeah. Now, mule scavengers were children often purchased from workhouses who were employed often for no more than food and lodging. And let me guess, they would go looking for mules? Like just abandoned mules? Scavenging for the mules. In the 18th and 19th century cotton mills to clean and recoup the area underneath a spinning mule. Oh, the mule is a machine. Yes. yes it is not, a machine used to spin cotton and other fiber. Not a stubborn animal. No, it was it was called a spinning mule because it was a hybrid, like a mule, uh-huh. between a horse and a donkey, uh-huh. if I recall, mm-hmm. uh, uh, between the um, spinning jenny and the water frame. So two different kinds of... Similar machines. And it like ma- it was a machine mashup. Yeah. Okay. Now, the cotton wastage that gathered on the floor underneath the machine was seen as too valuable for the owners to leave. Okay. And one of the simplest solutions was to employ young children to work under the machinery. Ah, because they were small enough that yes. they could fit under there. Yes. It's not a job that an adult could even do. The tenters would not stop to allow the scavenger to work because they were paid by how much they could produce as the mule moved forward. So you can... I would. We'll put a link to this. Uh, actually, this episode of okay. Worst Jobs in History because you can see the actual machine and how it works and how things move on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so you can see how much time the kids have to go in before the machine comes back. So wait. So them. the machine moves back and forth. Yes. So they need to insert themselves underneath it, grab the cotton that's fallen, yeah. pull it out before, before the machine, machine comes, comes back. back for its next round. So it's uh, timing is essential. Yes. Okay. Exactly right. All right. And what would happen to a child if they did not get back? In time? Well, many children suffered serious injuries while under the mules, with fingers, hands, and sometimes heads crushed by the heavy moving parts. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Now, crushed doesn't sound good, but I, <laughs> but I'm guessing from your tone that it, you know the factory owner didn't seem too concerned about it. Um, no, one mill had such a poor safety record that six people died and sixty others were mutilated mm-hmm. over a four-year period. So, like oh, wow. one yeah. a month mutilated, at least uh, more than one a month. will be yeah. It's like one and a quarter a month. Yeah. Ah, I mean, I know how you get one and a quarter people mutilated because you only mutilate a quarter of the guy. One scavenger wrote in his memoirs that on one occasion he was nearly crushed by the machine and that despite the injuries to his head, he was beaten for not completing the sweep in a single turn. Ah, right. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. 
In, so they crushed him in the head, and then he was beaten about the head and neck. These children had started in the mills at about the age of four, working as scavengers until they were eight, before progressing to the role of piecers, which I guess is something different. Picking up the pieces of other people that were left behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah, they would have just rows and rows of kids. Okay, now you go and get all the dead kids from that run. <laughs> yeah. Now you go and get all the dead kids from that run, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In 1865, a very melancholy accident befell a lad named Joseph Foden at about the uh, age of 13. Uh-huh. While engaged sweeping under a mule, his head was caught between the roller beam and the carriage and completely smashed, death being instantaneous. Yeah. Okay. All right. Legislation introduced in 1819 tried to reduce working hours and improve conditions, but there were still deaths recorded well beyond the middle of the 19th century. So mm-hmm. legislation helping a bit, but not solving the problem. Entirely. And not solving it entirely. Yeah. So again, um, I'm still a little bit confused. Where does where do the animals come in? They come in to drag the bodies away. Ah, I see. They they haul the cart of. Uh... Yeah, that's where the mule comes. Uh-huh. That's how they clean up all the dead kids after they've sent in round three to clean up the dead kids. They shut off the factory for the night and they just let the animals in to eat all the dead kids. Little <laughs> coyotes. Do you think they call them mule scavengers because it would fool some of the kids into thinking it was a scavenger hunt? And and, and, and a mule some... ride as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You're going to ride a mule around and perform, you know, engage in a scavenger hunt. It's going to be a blast. Now, you just have to get underneath that machine to pull all that cotton out of here, and uh, we'll be on our way. I have a list of products that currently use child labor or have been accused currently of using child labor. Right. All right. Hershey's Chocolate uses cocoa suppliers from South America and West Africa. Mm-hmm. Thousands of children have been known to harvest cocoa beans for Hershey's in West Africa today. Ivory Coast and other West African cocoa-producing nations, such as the Democratic Republic of Congo, have come under severe criticism in the West for using child slave labor to mm-hmm. produce the cocoa purchased by Western chocolate companies. Yeah, we talked about this in our slavery episode. There you we go. Did. The bulk of the criticism has been directed towards practices in Ivory Coast. The report, A Taste of Slavery, How Your Chocolate May Be Tainted, claims that traffickers promise paid work, housing, and education to children who are then forced to labor and undergo severe abuse, that some children are held forcibly on farms and work up to 100 hours per week, and Mm. that attempted escapees are beaten. And I found that working 100 hours a week uh, for chocolate-related products makes me uh, not like the taste of chocolate so much anymore. I wonder what slavery slavery tastes like. Sweeter. Oh, yeah? Sweetens it a tiny bit. (laughs) A BBC article- That's the secret ingredient. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, you know what? uh, If you turn over, you never read all the way to the end of the ingredients, right? Right 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 at the very end, slavery. Is that after riboflavin? Yeah, you just like- Children's tears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what what would be the scientific name for children's tears? Uh, Ooh, uh, kinder, uh, kinder lacrimose. Hydrate, like uh, de- dehydrate, you know, uh, yeah, uh, kill, kill them, de- uh, dehydrate. A BBC article claimed that 15- Ooh, juvenile lacrimate. There you go. <laughs> juvenile lacrimate. Yeah, it was worth the wait. A BBC article claimed that 15,000 children from Mali, some under age 11, were working as slaves in cocoa production in Ivory Coast, and Mali's Save the Children Fund director described, quote, young children carrying six kilogram, that's 13 pounds, of cocoa sacks so heavy that they have wounds all over their shoulders. In 2001, Chocolate Manufacturers Association acknowledged that slaves harvested some cocoa, which led them to uh, signing and agreeing to the what's called the Harkin-Engel Protocol, mm. sometimes referred to as the Cocoa Protocol. 
The Harkin Angle Protocol it, sounds like a sex move. It's yeah. <laughs> it's named after the two politicians who pushed it. Uh, <laughs> is that a anal joke with the uh, with the chocolate in there? And the <laughs> zing, uh, I it's a uh, it, it, that joke means something to everybody different. Oh, I see. Everyone's mm-hmm. Harkin Angle Protocol is a different move. Yeah, that's right. There yeah. you go. It's very personalized. Uh, it's an international agreement aimed at ending the worst forms of child labor and forced labor in the production of cocoa, the main ingredient in chocolate, and it was signed in September 2001. They declared that they would end child labor by 2005. How did that go? Not so well. As we heard from those numbers, the the numbers are way down. Right. They're they're doing something good. They're not doing nothing. This is this is what I'm talking about. It being tricky. Right. You can be a big, huge company who is guilty of, let's say, not really knowing and ca- or caring that slaves are harvesting right. cocoa. You, you don't want to. You don't want to look too closely. You don't want to. Yeah. You know, pe- peel back the layer too much because you're afraid what you might find. And, and that's bad. Like yeah. it, like not looking into where your stuff's coming from. They, they're absolutely guilty of that. But now that it's been pointed out, they're putting money towards this. They're putting uh, qualifications in place. They're trying to ensure that, they're, that their chocolate is slave-free. But when it comes from a whole bunch of small farmers who you have no control over, right? right. Like it's just some guy with some cocoa pods yeah. and he sells a bunch of them to the distributor and the distributor sells them to somebody else and then it finally gets to you as Nestle or Hershey's or whatever it is. Yeah. You don't know that that original guy is a scumbag who buys kids for 230 euros from a guy who snuck them across the border right. and has them do all the work. You right. don't. And how much work are we supposed to expect Nestle to do? Right. I don't know what the answer to that is. And I guess the answer is more. Mm-hmm. because they haven't stopped this child labor. Well, you know, I mean, Nestle doesn't really make all that money, that much <laughs> money. They're, they're kind of on the road. Like a mom and pop, yeah. Like yeah, a mom thing. and pop operations. They yeah. don't really have the resources to actually investigate the people that are supplying them with the things by which they make billions of dollars. Yeah. Got another one? Marlboro. Ooh. Ah. In July of 2010, Human Rights Watch found at least 72 cases of child labor on farms that supply a Philip Morris International Cigarette Factory in Kazakhstan. Now, so when you say just... a case of child labor, does that mean one case per child? I think so, yeah. Okay. No, 72 it... cases of child labor means 72 kids. Actually, the controversy was that they were abandoning the marble man for the marble boy. Right? <laughs> there yeah. you go. Well, you got to start him young. Well, that is child labor, right? You know, these. Uh, if you smoke, you ads. look older. That's right. They, they got confused. They were all smoking and they all looked way older than they were because it savages your body. Don't uh-huh. do it, kids. Uh, in a new report based on interviews with 68 farm workers, the Human Rights Watch showed that child labor is widespread in the tobacco farms. Mm. The International Human Rights Group also expressed serious concerns over the conditions of migrant workers. The report said that employing children as young as 10 on tobacco farms is particularly hazardous because they oh. are very vulnerable to the tobacco farming process. I wonder what that's like. Mm. So yeah. this is what I found a lot when I was researching these things, that you mm-hmm. would find these outrage stories, right? That, Where you're like, oh my God, this company uses a company that has child labor and that, it makes that company look horrible. Yeah. And it's not that Marlboro needed any help. Right. <laughs> but it's very difficult to find the follow-up and to go, well, what did they do? How is it doing now? Because this was three years ago, right? right? And you'd think there's enough time to, uh, this, to, to make some changes. The story has gotten out. Uh to let the children work themselves to death and just... Yeah. Philip Morris, the owners of uh, Marlboro, uh, I have to admit, did pretty good here. Uh, the company committed to rectifying labor abuses on tobacco farms in wait, Kazakhstan. Wait, what are they doing to the rectums? They're, they're rectifying. Leave the rectums alone. Okay. Damn near killed a five. I'll pass along that memo. I mean, come on. Going from bad to worse. 
They also announced plans for a labor practices code to be carried out throughout its global supply chain. This is actually a quote about what Philip Morris has done from the senior Europe and Central Asia researcher for Human Rights Watch. Okay. So the group that called them on it now says this. Philip Morris International's commitments to ensure protection of workers, including migrant workers in Kazakhstan and in more than 30 other countries, is profoundly significant. Effective Mm -hmm. monitoring will be key to making sure PMI is never again in the dark about abuses anywhere in its supply chain. So they're saying this is good. And as long as they keep up the monitoring, they're probably not going to find out that they've got kids. They They said it was significant. Significant. It's good. Yeah. Profoundly, I would say profoundly significant. Their commitments are profoundly significant. Yes. Right. Is that good? I I think it is. Profoundly. Profoundly. Okay. It's significant. It means it makes a difference. Well, and it is a human watch... Right, human rights watch organization that is actually saying this. It's not a Philip Morris press release right, saying right. These are all the, the things who, we have done are profoundly significant and blah blah blah. These are the people yada, who yada. Human Rights Watch is the people who called them on it in the first place. And if they're now saying, so, okay, good, and again, as Phil, as unless Philip a, Morris, unless I can you find it. out, unless you find out that uh, you know Philip Morris because of their deep pockets. You know, had people run for the board of Human Rights Watch, yeah, and lobbied and like got positions, and now it's like, ooh. Instead of fixing that, why don't we uh, help you find the really bad guys? I mean, come (laughs) on, seventy-two kids. You know, we kill more kids from smoking every day from that. So, Microsoft and their Xbox. This actually is prevalent through a lot of the uh, high-tech industry, but Microsoft is the one that I found for this. Uh, One of Microsoft's suppliers in China has been accused of using child labor. The kids are allegedly making mice, keyboards, and Xbox 360 controllers for 65 cents an hour. Hmm. Although Microsoft itself has not officially sanctioned this sweatshop and its 16-hour workdays, the company is still under fire from the National Labor Committee, which says that its supplier, KYE, often makes small children briefly sleep at their workstations in dismal conditions. But on the flip side of the coin, if they take out those child workers, your Xbox uh, 5 or whatever it is is going to be a lot more expensive. It's going to cost an extra $2. (laughs) That would be bad. But I could not find any follow-up. I couldn't find any... uh, release from Microsoft saying that they've dealt with it. And you can still find all the outrage stories about it. Right. But you can't find any follow-ups from anybody anywhere. Thing to do is go to the uh, Best Buy, pick up an Xbox, open it up, see if there's any tiny fingerprints in there. Ah, yes. Or a note saying, trapped in Xbox factory. (laughs) Dust dust of her tiny fingerprints. Please send candy. Yeah. That's how you know it's a kid. Yeah, instead of a note in a uh, letter in a bottle, you send your, your... a hastily scrawled note in your Xbox. After increasing pressure, Nestle, which is the world's biggest food company, commissioned the Fair Labor Association to map its cocoa supply chain in the Ivory Coast. Ooh, when did this happen? This is uh, from June of 2012. This was only about uh, a couple of years ago. FLA investigators tracked the journey of cocoa from the poorest and most remote villages to the exporters that sold directly to Nestle. Mm. They found that while Nestle insisted that their primary suppliers, mostly big multinationals, agree to their code, it often went no further, despite Nestle knowing that the supply chain involved many other stages. Mm. Now that its supply chain has been mapped, said FLA President Orit Van Heerden, Nestle will be held accountable. The report also found rampant injuries, mainly with machetes that slice into children's legs as they harvest the cocoa pods. As wait, wait, hold on, hold on a second. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Yeah. Are they suggesting that, like, as a punishment, their legs are being slashed? Or <laughs> that they carry machetes, like, on their hip and it cuts their legs? No, I think no. they're cutting, like, the cocoa plants with the machetes. And cutting themselves. The cocoa yeah. pod is like a oh. big, almost, it, it looks kind of like a, a, a kind of a coconut uh-huh. on the side of a 
tree or something and they hack it off a with coconut the they're yes. gonna have to put like some like safety rubber sheaths on those uh <laughs> those machetes oh, for the children like those leg sa- armor like those um like those <laughs> that might work too i guess like those safety scissors you have in kindergarten yeah yeah that's yeah, what they so give them safety machetes <laughs> <laughs> hmm. productivity went down this month i'm not sure why <laughs> we brought in all the safety machetes and of course, there are children minors around the world. Not minor, but minors. They're, they are minor minors. <laughs> minor minors. I like that. You know how much I like alliteration. And mining. Mm-hmm. Well, Char- no, I don't care for mining one bit, but I like alliteration. So I'm willing to look past the mining part. Charity organization World Vision explored the dirty, dangerous, and degrading lives of more than 50 children ages 8 to 17 working at an artisanal copper and cobalt mine in Ooh, the country's artisanal. Katanga province. That sounds it does, hipsterish. It does sound hipsterish. This is the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo. Well, you know what the problem is? Is they would have, uh, it's because they got the frames with not, without the glass in them. Right. Hipsters, right? Hipsters, yeah. Yeah. If, <laughs> Uh, artisanal miners use their hands to extract materials, utilizing little technology or machinery. Ooh, you got to have strong fingernails for that. <laughs> what do they feed those kids? <laughs> Holy crap. According to the report, an estimated 40% of artisanal mining workers in the DRC are children. Hmm? Ar- artisanal mining is especially dangerous as it requires plucking stone from loose surface or tunneling, which can lead to deadly rock slides. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Check out our mining disasters episode. Yes. Yeah. And... Uh, and not like the good rock slide, like that, uh, oh, no, that's the mud slide. The... Yeah, the mud slide, delicious beverage, uh-huh. as Here drunk by me in our alcoholism episode. <laughs> Here's some terribleness. In the report, the children described the circumstances, impacts, and drivers of their work as miners. Of the children interviewed by World Vision at the mine site, 19% said that they had seen a child die at the artisanal mining site. Right. Ah. I wonder how many children were interviewed. Uh, 50, yes, more than 50. Okay. Mm. 87% experienced body pain and many had been injured. 67% reported frequent or persistent coughing. Right. It's two thirds, like two out of mm. every three is coughing because they work in a mine. Are we sure they're not all just chain smokers? Uh, no, I don't have evidence. I don't think that they are because they can't afford it. Ah, I see. Here's the worst one. This is awful. Several girls had had genital infections after working waist deep in acidic water. Oh. Ah. Hey, there's some uh, minerals in that uh, pool of water over there. Go pick it out with your hands and Grody. stand in that water for hours doing it. Ah. The impact of the work on a child's health is significant. I think that goes without saying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the heavy work can permanently damage a child's growing bones and muscles. Minerals mined are often hazardous, and exposure to uranium and mercury can have profound health effects. Certainly. Uh-huh. Falling down open mine shafts, being trapped or injured by collapsing tunnels. You might tunnels, grow little wings on your ankles. <laughs> or drowning while mining underwater are all serious threats. Oh, that's the worst. Mm. Drowning's bad, but drowning in a mine? Yeah. Uh, uh, World Vision Lake. World Vision notes that children absorb and retain heavy metals in the brain more easily. Their enzyme systems are still developing, so they're less able to detoxify hazardous substances. They breathe faster and more deeply, so they can inhale more airborne pathogens and dusts. Children do? Children do. And they dehydrate more easily due to their larger skin surface and because of their faster breathing. Well, you know, but I I remember, you know, when I was a kid growing up, there was always the refrain, like, you're either, you're going to grow into something or you're going to grow out of something. So maybe this philosophy works for child labor as well. Like, oh, you know. Uh, um, you're going to be the best miner in the world because you've been doing it since you were five. Yeah. That's right. You get your you're going to grow in. into your mining, right? Yeah. Or you'll grow out of hacking your own legs off with machetes. <laughs> That's right.
heaven on earth to me. They may be full of the devil when you see them smile. Angels with dirty faces make your life worthwhile. The love and the laughter of little kitties makes up for lots of things. Though the good book says that God's children don't have to have wings. Ten little baby's fingers, that's a mother's rosary. Angels with dirty faces are heaven on earth to me. In the news, 2009, Bangladesh. Uh-huh. For the last four years, photojournalist GMB Akash. Okay. That's his name. All right. Cash Money. That's his nickname. Has, I like to call him. Has been working on child labor, and by working, I assume me taking photos. I think so. Uh-huh. In uh, Bangladesh. Got it. Child labor has been forbidden in Bangladesh since 1992. Oh, that's in- a long time. 2005, uh, this guy visited a garment factory in Narayanganj. <laughs> I am saying that perfectly correctly. <laughs> which is the center of the garment industry in Bangladesh. Okay. He took a photo of the owner beating a 12-year-old boy because he'd been too slow sewing T-shirts. Okay. All right. These will be the T-shirts that we were offering for the caustic. <laughs> Let me tell you, I... I, after while researching this, I was like, "Where do we get our shirts from?" And I tried to find out. I don't know. Oh. More than six million children under fourteen are working in Bangladesh. Many of them working under very poor conditions. Some even uh, risking their lives. Factory owners pay them about four hundred to seven hundred taka. Guess how many U.S. dollars that is? Uh, well, I know that when he was beating that kid, he was attacking him. Right. Mm-hmm. Yes. So therefore, uh, he beat them within a dollar of his life. $10. Okay. $10 a month. Oh, a month. This is a month, I guess. Got I, should have it. I was going that. for $1 every 10 days. That's a pay period. That's uh, that's better. Yeah. 
better than $10 a month, mm-hmm. uh, while an adult worker earns up to 5000 TACA per month. Which is about $125. Oh, oh okay. There you go. Well, Still pretty good. Uh, <laughs> this is widely known yet for a long time. Nobody seemed to mind. With his work, Akash tends to... Akash wants to confront the people with the problem of child labor and motivate the people who begin to think about it. Uh-huh. In Bangladesh, where children are employed, and in the rich countries of the Western world, where products are sold that have been produced by children. So he's claiming he's trying to raise awareness. I think that's the short version yeah. of what I said. Yes. <laughs> okay, got it. Got yeah. it. Akash's intention is not only to show the children at work as victims of bad bosses, uh-huh. but to show the complexity of the situation. The parents who send their little boy to work in a factory because they are poor, the child who has to work to earn a living for the family, uh-huh. the boss of the factory who's being pushed by big garment companies to produce for less money, right. and the Western consumers as clients who buy cheap clothes. Hey, ah. that's us. That's why we should only buy knitted clothes from our friends. Oh, okay. Sure. Great. My grandmother- Put these children out of work. We my my grandmother be... has a cottage industry about to blow yeah, right yeah. up. Akash thinks it is impossible to abolish child labor completely in Bangladesh in a very short time. Uh-huh. But is because sure, the economy just kind of relies on it? And I stuff guess like so. That? But yeah. is sure it is possible to improve the working conditions for the children and to bring more from factory work into the schools? Well, that's an interesting photo you got there. They've obviously discovered a race of uh, concrete people. Uh, they look like uh, the Morlocks, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, yes. So hey, we'll put this podcot well, on this isn't This isn't child labor. This is uh, stone golem labor. <laughs> right. Right? Yes. So not a problem. So we've got a picture here of a young boy named Janile. He works in a silver cooking pot factory. He's 11 years old. Uh-huh. He's been working there for three years. Okay. His work starts at 9 a.m. and ends at 6 p.m. Oh, he's got a work ethic. Yeah. And his parents are so poor they can't afford to send him to school. And he is covered in what looks like, like silver, silver dust. dust. Ah. So, uh, or he's Just good for the skin. Or he's preparing for the local production of Wizard of Oz. Right. Uh, he's, got, he's like going out for the Tin Man. That's right. Uh, he's a shoe-in. Metal shoe-in. <laughs> tin shoe. Uh, another picture that we've got, we're going to get up on Caustic Soda Podcast, is uh, children at a brick factory in Fatula. Uh, this is one kid. He's got eight huge bricks balanced on his head, and he's holding another one in each of his hands for 10 total. For every thousand bricks they carry, they earn the equivalent of 90 cents US. So uh, nine cents per hundred brick, which is... Uh, 0.9 cents for a brick. 0.09 cents. 0.09 cents for a brick. You got to carry a lot of bricks. That is, yeah. To make very little money. Joe, how do you think you'd fare in this situation? I'd be dead. <laughs> These kids are better workers than I am. Oh, no. I'd be sneaking bricks home in my pants. <laughs> oh, of course you would. Pop culture? Pop in the culture. Oliver Twist is a pretty excellent example of some child labor in popular culture. What does he do? What's the labor that he does? Please, he, sir, could I have some more? He, he wants a chimney more. sweep? He's a moorer. He moors. Well, he's almost a chimney sweep. He starts off uh, at a workhouse. A workhouse is what happened because of the poor law in uh, England, which uh-huh. is instead of welfare, you'd have to go to this poor house and they would just find you work to do. Right. Uh, and they would do it with kids. Uh, Oliver ends up working, picking what's called oakum. 
Uh, oakum is the fiber that they use to hold together like uh, ships and things like that. They oh, stick okay. it in the in between where the wood planks are so that right. it doesn't leak. And it's made up of fiber and tar. And the way you get it is typically from picking apart all the fibers from a uh, tarry rope that had been used on a ship previously. Oh. Ah, okay. So they right. hand these kids these old ropes and they have to pick out the individual tarry fibers. So, so it's they a, I think I saw this on Worst Jobs in History as well. Probably. It's, this is a um, this is basically a recycling plant. They're a rope recycling plant. Yeah, exactly. So Oliver Twist was a story about an environmentally conscious uh, labor force. Right. You know, being overseen by a benevolent uh, person who was (laughs) doing a good thing. fiscally responsible for his... uh, Investors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They saved a lot of money by feeding the kids gruel. Which is like but only one the, serving. Good only. for the gruel industry. <laughs> What's good? For Every, the, it's good for everyone. What's good for the gruel is good for the gander. <laughs> <laughs> the kids become so desperately hungry because of the gruel that they draw the, straws. They draw lots to see who has to go up and ask for some more, and uh-huh. Oliver loses. Oh, right. Which then gets him a thrashing. That gets him gruel and unusual punishment. The workhouse is so uh, upset with him that they offer five pounds to anybody who will take the boy on as an apprentice because he's such trouble now. Oh, uh, he's a he's troublemaker. Like, you know what he was? He was the Charles Dickens uh, version of Dennis the Menace. He failed the lot drawing. He actually mm-hmm. wasn't that precocious or upstarty. He just kind of failed the lot. He was uh-huh. actually very soft-spoken and had a problem speaking up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first person who comes to take him is a chimney sweep who, uh, in the version that I saw, which... Uh, there are numerous real, versions. There's a lot yeah. of versions. In the version I saw, it was actually played really creepy and gross. And he's describing to the magistrate who is supposed to sign the papers to let him take Oliver how, uh, oh, you know, sometimes the kids will hide in the chimney to get away from me. And a lot of the other chimney sweeps, they'll just start a smoky fire to smoke them out. But that'll just put the kids to sleep and then they'll die. <laughs> I start a big roaring fire and get their feet hot and they come scrambling out. Like that's, he's saying that as a plus and the magistrate's like, oh, okay. Uh But finally, Oliver finally speaks up because he's very quiet. No, please don't say me that awful man. And they don't. Uh, He ends up uh, on the streets and some more stuff happens. There's not a lot of child labor in the second part of it, actually. But Well, unless you count pickpocketing as labor. Right. I Mm -hmm. mean, yes, he's certainly working for a criminal Mm -hmm. for a while there. Does he die at the end? Uh, well, it was well a we all time. die in the end, don't we? Don't we all die. Oh, the movie. Uh, oh, okay. That's something else. No, it actually has a fairly uh, happy ending. He gets taken in by a rich person. That oh, he, wow. That he started every, off- uh, every boy's dream. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. I watched the documentary, The Dark Side of Chocolate. Oh. oh. It's a 2010 documentary film about the exploitation and slave trading of African children to harvest chocolate that's still occurring 10 years after the cocoa industry pledged to end it. Uh-huh. We talked about the Harkin Engel protocol. Uh-huh. That the uh, the sex chocolate, move? That, yes. That the uh, chocolate companies all agreed to get in on. They were we're going to end child labor and child slave labor in the, the cocoa industry by 2005. Yeah. Uh, this film starts in Germany where they asked vendors where the chocolate comes from. The vast majority say the from Africa, uh, from the west coast of Africa. Then mm-hmm. they flew to Mali where many of the children are from. They interviewed a few of them and why they go to where to the Ivory Coast and it's because they have no jobs and their families don't want them. So right. they say go there and get work and when you get money come back. Right. Uh, next, kind of a uh, pay your own way sort of right uh, sort of philosophy of child rearing. Yep. They also talked to one of the actual traffickers. Uh, okay, in it, children. Yeah, it was really weird because they said we, he said we couldn't use his name. 
they, he would talk with us as long as we wouldn't give his name. Okay. And then without covering him up, they film him talking. Right. Well, maybe he's just counting on the fact they don't have a lot of uh, documentary film houses. I, I like guess maybe so. he believes he doesn't show up on film. I, yeah, uh, that could yeah. Be it. <laughs> he he doesn't was really understand the, uh, super cocky. Just really had no, didn't care at all that he was basically slave trading and fooling these children. Uh-huh. He was bragging about how no, none of the traffickers technically bring the kids across the border. That somebody okay. in Mali will escort the kid to the border, and who will somebody... then walk across, and he will grab the kid on that side and walk him to where he's going to be working. Right. So technically, we're not doing international slave trafficking. Right. But he's all confident about how this makes a difference. I it was that it's I like some that kind like, of yeah. loophole that you know. There's this. This yeah. is the he's uh, bucking the system. This he's is sticking bu- it to the man. Just like Christian girls say that uh, anal is God's blind spot. There you go. Right. I've you never know? heard that phrase that way. <laughs> I've heard technical virgin though. Uh, there you go. I think it means the same thing. Yeah, they're laughing till a poop comes out that's in the shape of a baby. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Uh, then they go to the Ivory Coast. I better you have magic <laughs> sperm, one or the other. They then go to the Ivory Coast where the cocoa plantations are located. And it seems like these plantations don't have like uh, any kind of uh, fences up around them because they just mm. end up walking and all of a sudden they're in a cocoa plantation and talking to people working there. And they see kids working and they just interview them where they're from. Oh, from Mali. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you get paid much? Oh, uh, not very much. And everybody gets kind of suspicious. The adults that are there kind of eyeing it. So they walk off. They end up talking to uh, a plantation owner. Okay. And they kind of, they seem to fool him into thinking that they're potential plantation owners themselves or mm-hmm. were thinking about starting right. one. And they ask him how much for a kid. And the guy says, 230 euros. I think I've got some extras if you want any. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. There Offers to basically sell him kids right. to work on his cocoa plantation. It's, it's disgusting. Mm. Then they go to Switzerland, which is where both the International Labor Organization and Nestle headquarters are located, and they invited Nestle to watch the film. Uh, They declined any kind of interaction with this. So they set up a huge screen outside of Nestle's headquarters Uh and started playing what they had of the documentary so far. This part is actually in the documentary. How how very Michael Moore of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. This was a really good documentary, yeah. and it's obviously the problem is going on. These right. guys didn't lie about this stuff, yeah. but they really pushed it. Uh, they really wanted to make it look like Nestle wasn't doing anything. But yeah. the, the trouble was really directly in the Ivory Coast, and it's these small independent guys, and nobody is. there's no government there yeah. to come in and... Nobody was an, a watchdog that was letting it happen. You know, yeah. no, nobody was officially well, encouraging you it. You know, Nestle might want to spend a couple of shekels and like hire their own watchdog. Yeah. You don't have a government watchdog, have a Nestle watchdog. Oh, in a suit. Ah. Like a, I like the thought of a dog in a suit. Yeah. Or Nestle should pay for an independent company that goes sure. around and makes damn sure that nobody supplying Nestle has child labor. That would be tantamount to hiring a watchdog. So yeah, sure, I agree with that. Mm. Uh, this is or uh, just send all their own kids. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there to you the go. Ivory Coast. Give them some character. That's right. All right, Donovan. I know you've been living the life of luxury <laughs> as the uh, as the as the young son of the CEO of Nestle, uh, Mr. Coca Cola, or Mr. Nestle, as the case may be. Now you're uh, now you're going to go pick up some cocoa beans. All right. Try uh, not to hack your legs with this machete. The, this sounds like a hilarious setup for a Joe Pesci like you know the landlord movie. 
where he's forced to go. He's a slumlord. Oh, oh yeah. Has to go live in his own. This is. A, yeah. This sounds like a, a hilarious setup for there, socially conscious comedy. There is a guy in this that this should happen to. There's a guy uh-huh. who works in the Ivory Coast. I can't remember his name. He's like the CEO of the cocoa company that ends up selling the cocoa to uh, Nestle. To Nestle. Mm-hmm. And he states on film at the very beginning categorically that no child labor and no slave labor is used in any of the cocoa. And he's like, I was born into the cocoa and I've never seen a child working on it. And like just making these blanket statements that are obviously false. Like right. even before you've seen them prove it in the in the, the documentary. Yeah. It's like, no, you can't say never and that you've never seen it because we yeah. know that it's happened. It was actually uh, blind. They didn't mention that. I, ah, yes, that yes. could be. Uh-huh. Then they go back at the end and confront him with the proof that they've got. And the uh-huh. look in his eyes of being caught is, I'm just like, okay, that guy needs more punishment. Like, he knew he was lying. Yeah. Scumbag. Total scumbag. Zoolander actually has a child labor angle to it as well. Yeah, I don't really remember Zoolander having a plot of any kind. <laughs> I don't remember any story whatsoever. So I'm uh, I'm confused by this statement. They try they try to turn Zoolander into an assassin uh, to kill the prime minister of Malaysia because he's going to clean up corrupt fashion executives uh, hiring child labor to make their garments. Yeah, well, there was something too about Will Ferrell wanting him to like model his clothes or something and then he refused. Well, that like, was oh, that was I the, thought the plot. They was. just wanted to get him close so they could then brainwash him ah, into becoming an assassin. So what okay. was the child labor? There's child labor in the fashion industry and the prime minister of Malaysia is set to sign a bill that will outlaw child labor in Malaysia. And Mugatu, played by uh, Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell mm-hmm. and, and all his bad cronies, want to stop him from signing that law so they can continue to get cheap uh, child labor. So they Manchurian candidate Zoolander. Mm. So that he uh, will so kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia. Uh, I see. Okay. Uh, Zoolander is one of those things where there's funny scenes, but it's not really a movie. Right? It's <laughs> barely a movie. I agree, but I love it anyway. Yeah, I totally agree I with you. I don't love it, but I, I enjoy it. How many times have you watched it? Twice. Because here's the thing I find about Zoolander that's really weird. Every time I watch it, I end up liking it more. Oh, I do I not know. think that will happen to me. I'd say give it the one more chance. I don't know. Mm. I, I think it's really, really funny. It's There were laughs. I've yeah. laughed yeah. during the watching of Zoolander. Have you seen Basketball? You haven't, have you? No, no, I haven't. Basketball. I'm, basketball is the Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the South Park guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, they become stars in a wacky sport that they invent. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a basketball. weird combination when between basketball. Oh, back in the 90s. Uh, 1998, I yeah. think. And I, I remember seeing the ads for it and thinking to myself, oh, that'd be fun to watch. I actually like, thought that I might want to go watch it, but it was like in and out of theater so fast, I never even had a chance. It's, wow. a, okay. it's a dumbass comedy. Like, yeah. uh, There's really no getting around it. It's a mm-hmm. dumbass comedy, but it's a really good dumbass comedy. Right. I love it. Uh, so they become these stars in a sport that they invent, and the sport kind of blows up, and it's a yeah. slacker sport. There's very little running. Mm-hmm. It's mostly taking uh, free throws into a basketball hoop, but when yeah. you do them properly, you get to move around the bases. It's a weird combination of basketball and, and baseball. baseball. Okay. Hence the name. The ultimate American pastime. They eventually get blackmailed uh, by the owner of the league into doing what he wants because he has photos showing that their clothing line that they've used to raise money for a charity, a children's charity, uses child labor in Calcutta, India. Ah, I see. And They uh, didn't want to get Kathleen Gifford. It- they end up resolving it by Trey Parker goes to Calcutta, India, forgoes playing in the finals in order to clean up and replace all the uh, employees with adults. You know why they do the garment industry is so big in that part of India? Because they Calcutta. Right. 
It's all in the name. Mm-hmm. That's a chicken and egg question, right? Which came be- first? Before it was just called Cal. And then the garment industry moved in Calcutta. So definitely not a chicken and egg. Definitely a cow. <laughs> and then cut. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Okay. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that we'll be back. When the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you'll want to hear about We will too Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while eating morphine-laced Oreos. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes, visit us on Facebook, tweet us on Twitter, at Caustic Podcast, or email us at info at causticpodcast.com. I'm Sean Campbell. Thanks for listening. Wait for me to pause before you say your hilarious jokes.